This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I remember one time there was this large group of Koreans and they were coming up to the tomb and, and I would just came out of the tomb and I said, I got news for you. It's empty in there. There's nobody there. <laughs> I love doing that. And because you can't get over it. You can't get over it. And that's what the angel said in verse 6. He says, come see, come see, come on in. Come see, see the place where the Lord lay. And before they even have enough time to think about it, the Lord has risen. The angel now tells the, la the ladies in verse 7, he says, go quickly, go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And without saying anything to the lady, immediately they obey, to the angel, they, immediately the ladies obey the angel. It says in verse 8, they departed quickly from the sepulcher for fear and great joy and did run to, to bring the disciples' word. And while they're obeying, while they're running, they're on the way. In verse 9, another great surprise as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. It's coming so fast for the ladies. They instinctively, they, again, no words, no words at all, but they follow their heart. They follow their heart. And what they do in verse nine, they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. They're still afraid. And the Lord reads that fear. The Lord hears that fear in verse 10. Verse 10 and it says, Jesus said unto them, be not afraid, but go tell my disciples, my brethren, that they go into Galilee. He says to the lady, he says, be not afraid. Shalom again. He says, they're, they're in Jerusalem. It's about 80 miles to Galilee. That's a long run. About 80 miles. And he tells them, he says, go up there. He says, that's where I'm going to be. And there were, uh, these were the circumstances of the resurrection. This is what happened in the resurrection. Two ladies told, to, told by the angels, he is risen. In verse 6, he is risen. And they were told after the resurrection, in verse 6, they were told he is risen. That's, that's, how, that's, how they, that's how we learned about the resurrection. 
We learn about the resurrection because two ladies were told he is risen and there was an empty tomb. No one saw the resurrection. No one saw the Lord Jesus rise from the grave. They only saw him after he rose from the dead. The resurrection was all a matter of faith. Did it happen? You had to believe it happened. No one saw it. No one could witness it. But they saw him alive, just as we heard sung. He is alive. He is alive. And they didn't see him rise from the dead. They had to believe that he rose from the dead, obviously, because he was alive. And this is the way that God chose for the resurrection, that no one should see it, that it just had to be believed. This is what pleased God, that the resurrection should not be seen, but be believed. Even today, even now, we believe the resurrection because Hebrews 11.6, Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. No one saw the resurrection no one saw so that it would be, as he said, as Jesus said in John 20, 29, John 20, 29, blessed are they that have not seen yet have believed. This was the greatest day ever in history, the day of the resurrection. This day was great. Everything about this was great. This is what we want to consider now, four aspects of the greatness of the day of the resurrection. The day of the resurrection was a day of great surprise, great surprise, great unexpected, the surprise of the resurrection. The day of the resurrection was a day of great triumph, great victory, the triumph of the resurrection. The day of the resurrection was a day of great hope, hope, the hope of the resurrection. And the day of the resurrection was a day of great life guidance. Guidance, the life guidance of the resurrection. Those are the four aspects of the resurrection we want to consider now in the time remaining. The surprise, the triumph, the hope, and the life guidance of the resurrection. The resurrection is introduced to us in verse 1 with a word, behold. Behold. Whenever you see the word behold, it's like, well, I didn't expect that. That's a surprise. You might as well have said, surprise, surprise. There was a great earthquake in verse two, surprise. And this is a series of surprises, the unexpected. First, it was the women. The first women to appear at the sepulcher on the morning of the resurrection were two women, Mary and Mary Magdalene. And they came just to see the sepulcher, as we said in verse one. They were expecting to encounter darkness in seeing the tomb. They were expecting as those two who were on the road to Emmaus. We trusted that it had been him that would have delivered Israel, but I guess we were wrong. He's dead now. They were expecting to see the grave and to feel that darkness that Job felt. Job felt when he said in Job 17, 13, 17, 13, if I wait, the grave is mine house. I've made my bed in darkness. I've said to corruption, thou art my father, to the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? That's what they were expecting. That's what that women were expecting when they came to the grave. And the other women also, there were other women too who came and they brought spices. 
It says in Luke 24, 1, Luke 24, 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in, found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Even though they were told, it never sunk in. It never sunk into their hearts. And they were filled with the surprise to find the empty tomb. They were surprised to see the angel. They were surprised to see the lightning on his face, the ra the, his raiment as white as snow. They were surprised. They were speechless. There's, they, there's no record they said. They said they didn't say a word. And as they went on their way to tell the disciples about it, the, the Lord Jesus meets them. That was a surprise to them. He tells them they'll be afraid. And then they, they overwhelmed with surprise, overwhelmed with not an ability to process all this. The ladies find their stability. The ladies find their anchor to all of their emotions in worship. That was their anchor, worship. That's it, worship. So surprised and they were so overwhelmed. They do what David did when he was overwhelmed in Psalm 61, 2, Psalm 61, 2, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Only God should be worshipped, and they worship Jesus as God. And in their worship, the ladies held their, his feet. Why? They held his feet. As they held his feet, you can just see them saying to themselves, beautiful feet, beautiful feet in my hands, the feet of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. It says in Isaiah 52, 6, Isaiah 52, 6, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore shall they know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto God, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. So when Jesus spoke to the ladies, they were surprised to hear him say, go tell my disciples. But he didn't say, go tell my disciples. He said, go tell my brethren. Go tell my brethren. What a surprise. My brethren, after the resurrection, my brethren, they would have thought, well, now he's returned to heaven. and It's so different now, now. But they're so surprised to hear him say, go tell my brethren. The resurrection only made him closer to his followers in the resurrection because he blazed a trail. In the resurrection, he blazed a trail. He blazed a trail that his followers would go through. It was a trail that led from earth to heaven. It was a trail that led from the tomb, that led from death to life. It was a trail that led from being enemies with God to being friends with God. It was a trail that led from being alienated from God to being reconciled with God. That's what the resurrection was. And he was the first one on that trail. 
As it says in Hebrews 2.10, Hebrews 2.10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Can you, can you imagine that? He's going forward. He says, come on, many sons to glory. Follow me, follow me. He says, they, those ladies, well, they were not the first ones to be surprised. As we said, the, the, the Roman soldiers, the Roman soldiers, the ones who knew no fear, ones who were, who were taught to face death and die without fear, hardened Roman soldiers were given an assignment which they thought couldn't be easier than this. What's your assignment today? Oh, I, uh, I just have to keep a dead man in his grave. And, and, and on the resurrection, they're so surprised, they're shaking like a leaf, they become like dead men, it says. That's the resurrection, a day of great surprise. The resurrection was a day of great triumph, great triumph. The angel said, told the ladies, fear not, because the resurrection was the triumph over what they feared, death. It was the triumph over that. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 talks about the triumph over death. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying as it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the triumph of the resurrection. The triumph over death. The triumph over death. The grave is powerful. The grave is, who can resist the grave? The grave is powerful, but the resurrection triumphed over the grave. It says in Hosea 13, 14, Hosea 13, 14, God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. The cross was a battlefield. It was a battlefield. Looked like a cross? No. It was a battlefield. It was a battlefield between the Lord Jesus Christ and death. And the resurrection, the resurrection was the referee calling out the winner. The resurrection was God the Father as the referee yelling out for the Lord Jesus, here's the winner between death and the Lord Jesus, he's the winner. The resurrection, it's our triumph over death. It's our triumph over the grave. The resurrection allows us to look at the grave, look at the grave, and to realize that just as Jesus stayed in his tomb for a short period of time and then left, so it'll be for us. We will follow the Lord Jesus in resurrection triumph over the grave, and there'll be an empty grave for us also we'll have an empty grave. This is the triumph of the resurrection. It's a triumph which allows, as Paul said, to defy the grave. 
to defy death and say, oh, death, where is your sting? Where is it? Let's go look for it. I can't find it. Bring it on. Let me see it. It's gone. It's a triumph that looks at the, at the grave and says, oh, grave, where's thy victory? Show me your victory. The resurrection took it away, took it away. It took the death away, the power of the death. It took the triumph, the victory of the grave away. That's the great triumph of the resurrection over death and over the grave. And then the resurrection brings us great hope, great hope, a hope that's called a living hope, not a dead hope, a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3, 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We look, when we look at, at, our, at our bodies, we, you know, we're all, in, we're all in, a, in a spectrum of various stages of deterioration. We're all, a, we're all, we're all at certain points of health degradation. That's, that's the history of our lives. If you haven't realized that yet, just wait a little bit. You'll see it. And when we look at the deteriorating condition of our bodies, we say, where's the hope in this? And the answer is the resurrection. The resurrection gives us hope. Why? Because of Philippians 3.20, Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Romans 8.18, Romans 8.18 says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is the, this is the hope of the resurrection. The resurrection is a hope that we will be taken out of this body of death, as it's called, this body of death. It's a hope. I just can't help but think about that and think about my friend Tomeskin, Ethiopian boy, who was raised one mountain over from where our company has a facility in Budajira. And in Ethiopia, there are cities, are, they're either so-called Christian, Orthodox Christianity, or they're Muslim, Islamic, or they're animist. Our city is, is, is Muslim. Our city is Muslim. The, over the hill where Temeskin lived was animist. His, his, his uncle was the witch doctor, as a matter of fact, for the, for the village. And uh, Temeskin watched a lot of death. He watched all of his brothers and sisters die. He watched his father die. And all was left was his mother and his sister, Kibu. And they lived in a mud hut and... A, 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 a lady, an old lady, very short lady. M many ladies are short in Ethiopia. Not everybody's tall, some are short. Anyway, so she came and she couldn't read, but she had a Bible, big Bible, this giant Bible, strapped to her back like a backpack. And she came and, and she, she explained the gospel uh, to, the, to the people there using the pictures in the Bible. She couldn't read it. And there was a 24-year-old woman in a hut next to Temeskin's and she was dying. 
she was dying. And everybody heard her, because the lady came, cry out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. She cried out, and God healed her, and she was healed. And that so impressed Temeskin and his mother that, and sister that they decided that they would become Christians also. So they, be, they believed on the Lord Jesus. And they wanted to then go to church every Sunday morning. But the witch doctor, their uncle, didn't want them going to church. So he would said, you can't go to church. And then they went to church and he would get up early in the morning and he would sit in their, uh, their mud hut door and he would beat them if they tried to come out you know, on Sunday. Well, they got up earlier and they went to church. And, uh, but then Temeskin's right leg started to go get larger and larger and larger. And they realized that he had to go to the hospital. They didn't have any money, so they had one goat. They sold a goat. And they went to Addis, the capital. And uh, when they got there, the, um, they went to the general hospital in Addis. In the general hospital, they said to him, you have cancer. You have osteosarcoma. You have cancer in your right leg, and you're going to die. And we only have two orthopedic surgeons to, to, for the amputation here in all of Ethiopia for 85 million people at that time. And uh, they're booked up for nine months, so they can't, take your, they can't cut your leg off. So uh, would you just go back to uh, your, your village and die there because it's very expensive for us to transport dead bodies back. So everybody was crying and crying, but Temeskin had a peace. He believed in Jesus and he knew everything was going to be okay. Their cousin came from Addis and told him and said, I know of a hospital where they'll take people like you, the Mother Teresa Hospital, the Mother Teresa Hospital in Sitakilo, and they and and where I've been, and they they have over this hospital, can you imagine this welcoming site for the sick and dying, it says. So they go in there and uh, he he there's about twenty five hundred people that there's not beds for twenty five hundred people, there's they're sleeping all over the place. And they go up to the ward for the children, where there's about 40 children, they all have cancer, and he's up there, and um, a doctor comes along and says, you know, um, your, your leg has to be amputated. I've never amputated a, a leg before, but I'll give it a try, he says. So he gives it a try, and, and Tameskin's 12 years old, and he survives, and he's got one leg, gets a best friend who's Mohammed. And uh, he had the same thing, and his left leg was cut off. And so they become best friends, and they start to tell everybody, we can go to the market and buy one pair of shoes. And so, <laughs> anyways, he's such a happy little guy. And so my friend Mary Louise Cohen goes over there, and uh, the, the Jewish doctor, Dr. Uh, Rick Hodes, is, uh, is their doctor. And he says, you know, I've adopted all as many kids as I can. He's a single guy. He's got like five Ethiopians he's adopted and they're all in my living in my living room and I'm giving chemotherapy to them. I can't adopt, uh, I've adopted Muhammad, but I can't adopt a Temeskin. So he comes around the corner then, Mary Louise sees him, he's got this beautiful white smile. Instantly, Mary Louise says, we'll adopt him. Her husband looks at him and says, we will? He says, yeah, so he comes to Washington, D.C., goes to a uh, uh, private school in Georgetown where the tuition is $40,000 a year for um, grammar school, in high school rather. And uh, he doesn't speak English and gradually I, he learns to speak English and I get to be friends with him and very close and find out that he's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I told him, I said, uh, Temeskin, I have to explain something to you. I said, you're living in a Jewish home and the Jews don't believe in Jesus. And with those beautiful eyes, he looks at me and he says, why not? And um, I said, I don't know. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.